Hello, and welcome to the Catholic Spectrum. I'm your host, Jason Thayer. Each week, we talk about topics related to Catholicism, autism, and pop culture. This week, we continue our celebration of Pride Week, I mean Pride Month, excuse me, and we will be looking at 10 of my favorite queer characters in fiction. We'll be looking at some characters from some books, some characters from some some cartoons, and even some characters from live-action television. And I'm sure you'll recognize all of them. Well, most of them. So, I think that the, I mean, that seeing LGBTQ people in fiction is important. It brings awareness to to the existence of people, and it also gives us stories so that we can put ourselves in their shoes. As I said when I talked about asexuality way back when, I didn't even know that asexuality was a thing back when I was a teenager. We only talked about heterosexual relationships and celibacy, and I just never had that kind of feeling, and it was nice to, to discover that I was part of the queer community. So we're going to start with Sailor Neptune from Sailor Moon. Now Sailor Moon, now Sailor Neptune was kind of an interesting case because while the Japanese audience got to see her the correct way, her and her partner the correct way, when we Americans got to see Sailor Neptune and Sailor and her partner Sailor Uranus together, we didn't get to see them presented as a couple, we got to see them as cousins, which in my opinion was not the way it should have been. And it just made things worse because they, we were still able to see how intimate they were with each other. We were still able to see them kiss. We were still able to see them flirt. And it was just plain wrong. I mean, we even saw Sailor Uranus still flirting with Sailor Moon. That was still left in. And we were... Granted, Sailor Moon first thinks that Sailor Uranus is a boy, but it's still... But we still get to see a a, a lesbian character flirt with Sailor Sailor Moon and and with her lover. Luckily, in the manga when the manga made its way to America, it was presented in the correct way because Viz didn't care. And that's the way it should have been. And in the recent reboot version that came out a few years ago and is available on Netflix, Sailor Neptune is, and Sailor Uranus are still present, are actually presented as lovers the way it should be. Granted, we don't have the same voice cast anymore, but... It's still great to see that that happened. Next up is a character created by a friend of mine, Clay Gilbert, in his Anna books. And her name is Liara. And she is from the Anna books. And she is the friend sister. That's the translation of the um, language that they use of the main character, Anna. Now, what's great about Liara is I like her. I like her personality. She's got a, She's someone who chooses her words carefully, and she enjoys reading literature from all races. And she is just a 
wonderfully intelligent woman, and I like that she is ready to give advice and doesn't sugarcoat what she says to people. In fact, she is actually one of my favorite characters in the stories. And if you haven't looked up the Anna books by Clay Gilbert, um, I would highly recommend that you do so. I've already talked about them on this podcast. Um, you would start with Anna and the Children of Evoe. I think is how you pronounce it. Um, that's E-V-O-H-E. And there are currently... Three, I mean, four books in the series with another one on the way, and there's also a um, spinoff series called The Conversationalist. Next up is one I'm sure a lot of you were, were waiting for, or, or some that you, I'm pretty sure a lot of you were waiting for. Korra from The Legend of Korra, the uh, newest, I mean, the, she, who is the next avatar after Aang. Korra is a very confident woman. She is a she is quite temperamental, and I I like her a lot. I I'm not sure if I like her more than Ang, but I I like the but the series is a lot is a much more mature um, show than the original Avatar was. They're both very good shows. I would I'm probably someone who actually likes them both equally. Although I guess I'm slowly starting to like Korra more than Ang personally. Next up is probably one of the earliest examples of a character in American comics who was considered I mean, who was considered lesbian, Maggie Sawyer, created by John Byrne when he rebooted Superman. John Byrne actually originally started out in Marvel Comics doing great runs on Fantastic 4, The X-Men, The Incredible Hulk, but he eventually did not like the way that Jim Shooter was running things. And he eventually got on board DC Comics when they were, after they had started up, I mean, after they had um, done the Crisis on Infinite Earth storyline in the 80s. After that time, they decided that, I mean, this was actually done for a good reason. Um, Back at that time, back during the eighties, it was really hard to follow DC Comics because there was so much lore that you were supposed to know, and chances are, you wouldn't know that lore unless you read Who's Who. More unless you were actually willing to go to your local comic book shop and go through archives and archives of back issues, which would be a good time, but who would? But who has that time? So by rebooting the entire DC universe, they were able to reintroduce characters in an interesting way to new audiences. And John Byrne got picked to do Superman. And I have read and John Byrne to, was my first Superman artist. And I personally think that his run on Superman was probably one of the best if not the best, because it was a great reintroduction to the character, and he came up with a great supporting cast, and one of these supporting cast members that he came up with was Maggie Sawyer, the head of the Metropolis Special Crimes Unit. Now, Maggie Sawyer does not have any superpowers, but she is still a great character. She's 
she and I mean she has a respected friendship with Superman. They see I mean they see each other as equals. And it did take a while for them to actually to, to finally show her as a lesbian. Um she is currently in a I think she's still in a relationship with Renee Montoya from the Batman comics, who originally showed up in Batman the Animated Series. Um, we didn't get to see her that way in the Batman the Animated Series, but she eventually, but she was popular enough to wind up in there. In fact, it didn't actually take her long to wind up in the comic books and in comic books, unlike this next character, Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn started out in the Batman the Animated Series. I mean, yes, there was a Harlequin in the early days of, in the 70s, but this, in the Titans, but this was not that Harley Quinn. This Harley Quinn was Harley Quinzel, is Harley Quinzel, who is still a popular character to this day. Um, she started out as Joker's, as the Joker's girlfriend, and, um, yeah, that relationship is not the best, as anyone will tell you, but luckily in the, I mean, but, but now there is a, but we eventually got comic books that started off her relationship with, um, Poison Ivy, which is a much better relationship, and the new Harley Quinn cartoon on TNT and HBO Max, I highly recommend it, does a great job of showing off Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy's relationship, and I like the arc that Harley Quinn goes through. Um, she doesn't quite become a full-fledged hero. She has her, I mean, but she goes through some really good growth, and so does P Poison Ivy. I was really impressed what they did with Poison Ivy, and both of their voice actresses do a phenomenal job. I mean, um, what's her name? Uh, Kaylee Cuoco, I think is how you say it, plays um, Harley Quinn in the in the cartoon, not Tara Strong, because they wanted to make this cast as different from Batman the Animated Series as possible, because this is a more black comedy approach to um, Batman than what we get, in, but than what we had in Batman the Animated Series. It's also more graphic. Which fits what they've been doing with Harley Quinn these days. So I think it makes sense. And I like Harley Quinn's personality. She's fun-loving. She's a fun character. And really the... I mean, and yes, she's not exactly the most heroic character. But I think she still counts as a good example of representation. Next we have Amity Blight. And I'm going to go ahead and throw in Luz Nocita while we're at it. Both of them are f currently from the Owl House, which unfortunately just wrapped up its three seasons. And I say unfortunately because the third season, I almost don't even want to call it a season. Because instead we just got three one-hour episodes instead of a full hour, instead of a full season. Because people are, because not only are we worried about Ron DeSantis' evil don't say gay bill, but we're also concerned with how much shows like the Owl House get edited, and sometimes not even shown in, in, in several international markets. And as I, and notice I said several because there are, because The Owl House is not the only show that this happens to. This has also happened to Steven Universe, by the way, with Ruby and Sapphire, who I 
probably should have put on this list. I mean, because those two are just plain fun to watch together. I just love how much how Ruby and Sapphire flirt. But let's talk about Luz and Amity. What I like about Luz and Amity is that is how much growth Amity goes through. She starts out like your typical mean girl and just does not treat Luz very nicely. But what I like about it is that Luz does not reject her. Luz actually is still very nice to her, and she has no reason to be nice to her whatsoever. But she helps her anyway, because that's just the kind of person Luz is, and this starts to prompt a change in Amity, and they slowly become friends and lovers. And I just love their relationship later, especially halfway through season two, which is where it really starts to show its strength. And it's just so sweet to watch them together, especially with Amity learning Spanish and actually calling her potato in Spanish. I mean, it's just a sweet relationship. I just love watching them, watching uh, Amity flirt with Luz, and when they actually kiss, and when act, and what, and of course the the scene. And spoilers, yes, there is a scene where Amity does, I mean, where Lucy, I mean, where Luz actually comes out to her mom as bisexual. In the opening credits for the first episode of the Owl House final season. It's, I mean, yeah, each one of the three episodes of the final season does not even have your typical um, opening scene. Because they just don't have the time. They gotta cram in as much storyline as possible because they don't have the full third season. Thank you, Ron DeSantis and company. But here's but you might say well if you can't show it in international markets then what's the point because as we all know Disney Plus isn't just shown in America it's also shown in other countries as well where this sort of thing is more censored and I say screw that because we should still try because there are other ways that people can catch the show without using Disney, without using a streaming service and it's still worth it to go through the trouble of doing it. Same thing with, say, Legend of Korra and Harley Quinn. Because it is, these are still our stories, people. Like it or not. So, it, so if these stories end up banned, I'd say it still matters. And speaking of banned, let's talk about the most banned book in the country right now. Or at least it was until Genderqueer came along. Melissa by Alex Gino. I just really like the story of Melissa and her friend Rick, who we, we who we meet in the first book, but we get a whole spotlight on him in the next book. And I really like the relationship they have. I like how Melissa puts and calls Rick out on being friends with Jeff from the previous book. And does not trust him, and 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 he has to earn it, her trust. And we have, and what I like about it is we don't actually get to see Rick in the first book do anything bad to Melissa. We just see them hang out. We just see him hang out with Jeff. And I just like how we how you're left wondering why Rick puts up with Jeff, because even when they're alone, Jeff is not the nicest kid. He's never the nicest kid. Even like I said. 
even when they're alone. The guy plays these really violent video games, and he just likes to make life, life miserable for both fictional people and real people. And recently, I went, and when I was researching these books, I actually went to Alex Gino's webpage because I wanted to find out more about them. And I saw recently that there were some parents who'd written to Alex Gino and had actually wanted a book where Jeff starts on starts to be put on the road to redemption and Gino refused and I think that's the right call because not everyone wants to be redeemed and we have to realize that and people were actually wanting and of course there's the there's the reason that Jeff is I mean, people want Jeff to reform in the first place because they're probably uncomfortable reading a book where a person who's just who I mean, these are probably straight parents with straight kids who are uncomfortable with the fact that they have to read about Jeff being the kind of person that he is. But I say that we need I mean that. Having a character like Jeff is important. I mean, yes, he's an awful person, but we need to but we need to see that kind of character so we know, okay, kids, this is who you're not supposed to be. And of course, let's talk about someone that I'm sure a lot of you have been waiting for because y'all know I'm a Doctor Who fan, and we're going to talk about Bill Potts. Originally, I was going to talk about Captain Jack, but I figured Bill Potts was the better character. I mean, I like Captain Jack a lot, but Bill is such a great companion to the Doctor. And I like the Twelfth Doctor's era quite a bit. I mean, I don't like it more than um, David Tennant's era, which is where you see Captain Jack. But I do like Bill Potts quite a bit. Um, I like her. I like how curious she is about the, about the history of the world and about future history. And she is just such a bright-hearted character, and she's a She's one of the best companions of the modern era. Um, and I think it's... I mean, And by the way, something interesting I should point out, because this is something that's happened quite a bit. Um, Bill Potts is actually is played by Pearl Mackey, who actually is, bis, I mean, his, is herself bisexual. Now... I don't think now to me it really shouldn't make a now the whole point of this I'm telling you is not just to say oh this is so awesome but also I I long for the day where it does not matter that we have characters like this in fiction where we just accept it and we just watch the show or read the book but unfortunately that day is still long coming and I really hope that day does come soon because it is really getting old to hear about all these books that are continuously banned and to hear all these parents that are up in arms about, oh, this, oh, what did they do to poor Dora on She-Hawk, on She-Ra and Cora? I mean, I didn't like the relationship between Cora and Asami at first because I it felt like it was so out of the blue. But when I rewatched Legend of Korra after having seen that relationship when it when it finally arrived on Netflix, I tried to pay attention because I thought maybe the maybe the fans were right and maybe I just didn't see it. And I do 
like the way it's presented better this time around. So I'm probably going to do another one of these next year because this was a great one to do. So we're going to go ahead and end it there. And now I'm going to tell you what you can expect next week. So next week, we will continue our look at Pride Month with a look at with the asexual umbrella. I'm going to talk more about what it means to be asexual because in my years of learning more about me of following my own advice about educating myself, I have learned that there is a lot more to asexuality and I thought I'd share it with you. So. Thank you for listening to the Catholic Spectrum. If you want to find past episodes, you can find them on your favorite podcast platform, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, um, Radio Public, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. You can follow me on Facebook. I'm known as Jason there. My email address is radicaleverjwt at gmail.com. My Discord handle is... Radical Edward, hashtag 7592. That's Radical with a capital R, then a space, then Edward with a capital E, then the hashtag 7592. Um, you can also find me on Amino. I'm known there as Rock, as, as Rock Lobster. And remember to write a review on your favorite podcast platform. You can also give me questions so that I can answer them in a future episode. Because that is actually a thing that I should probably start telling you guys about that. Anyway, just remember everyone, normal is just a setting on the washing machine. We don't get to be normal. See you around.